Hello, everyone. Welcome to the One Year Bible Tour Guide Podcast. It is July 6th. My name is David McAdam, and it is good to have you with us. I hope you are well and have come with an appetite to feed on God's Word and grow in the grace and the knowledge of our living, loving God and Savior. We are being nourished in God's wisdom as we read the biblical account of human history, the descendants of Adam. In the book of Chronicles, we are looking at the history of the descendants of Abraham with a particular focus on the southern kingdom of Judah and the descendants of King David. Yesterday we began reading the 13th book of our Old Testament, the book of 1 Chronicles, and we learned that 1 and 2 Chronicles were originally one book. The books of 1 and 2 Samuel and the books of 1 and 2 Kings also were originally single books, and they were listed with the former prophets. But this book we are now reading, the book of Chronicles, was included with the historical writings that follow after the Babylonian captivity and the restoration of the temple in Jerusalem as recorded in the books of Daniel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. The books of Chronicles close out the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible. It gives an account of the failure of these descendants of David to fulfill the prophecy of the Messiah, the promised son of David, but it anticipates the one who was to come. This book keeps the hope alive. So let's go to First Chronicles, and we pick up where we left off yesterday, reading through the genealogies, starting with First Chronicles chapter 2, verse 18, and we will read through to chapter 4, verse 4. Caleb, the son of Hezron, fathered children by his wife Azubah and by Jerioth, and these were her sons, Jeshur, Shobab, and Ardon. When Uzubah died, Caleb married Ephrath, who bore him her. Her fathered Uri, and Uri fathered Bezalel. Afterward, Hezron went into the daughter of Machir, the father of Gilead, whom he had married when he was sixty years old, and she bore him Segub. And Segub fathered Jair, who had twenty-three cities in the land of Gilead. But Geshur and Aram took from them Havoth Jair, Kenath, and its villages, sixty towns, all these were descendants of Machir, the father of Gilead. After the death of Hezron, Caleb went into Ephrathah, the wife of Hezron his father, and she bore him Ashur, the father of Tekoa. The sons of Jeremael, the firstborn of Hezron, Ram, his firstborn, Bunna, Oren, Ozem, and Ahijah. Jeremael also had another wife, whose name was Atara. She was the mother of Onam. The sons of Ram, the firstborn of Jeremael, Maaz, Jamin, and Eker. The sons of Onam, Shammai, and Jada. The sons of Shammai, Nadab, and Abishur. The name of Abishur's wife was Abahel, and she bore him Aban and Molid. The sons of Nadab, Seled and Apayim, and Seled died childless. The son of Apayim, Ishi the son of Ishi, Sheshon, the son of Sheshon, Ahlai, the sons of Jada, Shammai's brother, Jether and Jonathan, and Jether died childless, the sons of Jonathan, Peleth and Zaza. These were the descendants of Jeremael. Now Sheshon had no sons, only daughters, but Sheshon had an Egyptian slave whose name was Jarha. So Sheshan gave his daughter in marriage to Jarha, his slave, and she bore him Atai. 
Atai fathered Nathan, and Nathan fathered Zabad. Zabad fathered Ephlal, and Ephlal fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jehu, and Jehu fathered Azariah. Azariah fathered Helez, and Helez fathered Eliasa. Eliasa fathered Sismai, and Sismai fathered Shalom. Shalom fathered Jechamiah, and Jechamiah fathered Elishama. The sons of Caleb, the brother of Jeremiah, Moresha, his firstborn, who fathered Ziph, the son of Moresha, Hebron. The sons of Hebron, Korah, Tapua, Rechem, and Shema. Shema fathered Raham, the father of Jorkeam, and Rechem fathered Shammai, the son of Shammai, Maon, and Maon fathered Beth Zur. Ephah also, Caleb's concubine, bore Haran, Moza, and Gazez and Haran fathered Gazez. The sons of Jadai, Regem, Jotham, Geshon, Pelet, Ephah, and Shaaf. Macha, Caleb's concubine, bore Sheber and Tirhana. She also bore Shaaf, the father of Madmana, Sheva, the father of Machbenah, and the father of Gibeah, and the daughter of Caleb was Aksa. These were the descendants of Caleb. The sons of Hur, the firstborn of Ephrathah, Shobal, the father of Kiriath-Jearim, Salma, the father of Bethlehem, and Saref, the father of Beth-Gader. Shobal, the father of Kiriath-Jearim, had other sons, Haroe, half of the Menuhoth, and the clans of Kiriath-Jearim, the Ithrites, the Puthites, the Shumathites, and the Mishraites. From these came the Zorathites and the Eshtaolites, the sons of Salma, Bethlehem, the Netophathites, Atrothbeth Joab, and half of the Manahathites, the Zorites, the clans also of the scribes who lived at Jabez, the Terathites, the Shimeathites, and the Sukathites. These are the Kenites who came from Hamath, the father of the house of Rechab. Chapter 3 Descendants of David these are the sons of David who were born to him in Hebron, the firstborn, Amnon, by Ahinoam the Jezreelite, the second, Daniel, by Abigail the Carmelite, the third, Absalom, whose mother was Macha, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur, the fourth, Adonijah, whose mother was Hagith, the fifth, Shephatiah, by Abital, the sixth, Ithriam, by his wife, Eglah. Six were born to him in Hebron, where he reigned for seven years and six months. And he reigned thirty-three years in Jerusalem. These were born to him in Jerusalem, Shimeah, Shobab, Nathan, and Solomon. Four by Bathsua, the daughter of Amiel. Then Ibhar, Elishama, Eliphalet, Noga, Nepheg, Japhia, Elishama, Eliada, and Eliphelet, nine. All these were David's sons, besides the sons of the concubines, and Tamar was their sister. The son of Solomon was Rehoboam, Abijah his son, Asa his son, Jehoshaphat his son, Joram his son, Ahaziah his son, Joash his son, Amaziah his son, Azariah his son, Jotham his son, Ahaz his son, Hezekiah his son, Manasseh his son, Ammon his son, 
Josiah, his son. The sons of Josiah, Jehonan, the firstborn, the second Jehoiakim, the third Zedekiah, the fourth Shalom. The descendants of Jehoiakim, Jeconiah, his son, Zedekiah, his son, and the sons of Jeconiah, the captive, Sheatiel, his son, Malkiram, Pediah, Shenazar, Jechemiah, Hoshama, and Nedabiah, and the sons of Pediah, Zerubbabel, and Shemai, and the sons of Zerubbabel, Meshalam, and Hananiah, and Shelomith was their sister, and Hashubah, Ohel, Berechiah, Hasadiah, and Jeshub Hesed, five, the sons of Hananiah, Pelatiah, and Jeshiah, his son Rephaiah, his son Arnan, his son Obadiah, his son Shechaniah, the son of Shechaniah, Shemaiah, and the sons of Shemaiah, Hatush, Egal, Bariah, Neariah, and Shaphat, six, the sons of Neariah, Elionai, Hiskiah, and Azrikam, three, the sons of Elionai, Hodaviah, Eliashib, Peliah, Akub, Johanan, Delaiah, and Ananai, seven. Chapter four, Descendants of Judah. The sons of Judah, Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, and Shobal. Reaiah, the son of Shobal, fathered Jahath, and Jahath fathered Ahumai and Lahad. These were the clans of the Zorathites. These were the sons of Etam, Jezreel, Ishma, and Idbash, and the name of their sister was Hazelalponi, and Penuel fathered Gedor, and Ezer fathered Husha. These were the sons of Hur, the firstborn of Ephrathah, the father of Bethlehem. And this concludes today's portion from the Old Testament book of First Chronicles. So let's take a breath and consider what we've learned from the genealogy that has been continuing from verse 1. We have a lot of unfamiliar names mixed in with some whom we may recognize. There are a number of Hezrons and Calebs. The Hezron we read about in 1 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 18 is the son of Perez, the grandson of Judah, not to be confused with Hezron, the son of Reuben, in Genesis chapter 46, verse 9. He is the father of Caleb, not to be confused with Joshua's fearless companion Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 15. What we notice about this Caleb is that he is the great-grandfather of Bezalel, the famous artist-architect who put his talents to good use, supervising the building of the tabernacle in the wilderness with his gift of craftsmanship in 1 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 20. This genealogy is important in that it traces the messianic prophecy that Shiloh, literally meaning he whose it is, or he to whom it belongs, the Christ, will be from the tribe of Judah, in Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. In chapter 3, we trace the house of David. Nineteen sons of David are mentioned, in 1 Chronicles chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. We also have a list of the kings who were descendants of Solomon, in 1 Chronicles chapter 3, verses 10 through 16. These are the characters we read about in First and Second Kings who reigned in Judah. Then we read of Jehoiakim, the captive king of Judah, imprisoned in Babylon, who, although in the royal line, his descendants were never to reign on the throne due to the Lord's chastisement. Zerubbabel, in chapter 3, verse 19, 
was the head of the tribe of Judah when Cyrus gave permission for the Jews to return to Jerusalem after the Babylonian captivity. We will read about him in the book of Ezra. Did you know that there were people named Ephrathah and Bethlehem, which became names of the place where the Messiah would be born? In chapter 4, verse 3. Let's move on to our next stop in our Bible tour in the New Testament, the book of Acts, chapter 24, verses 1 through 27. Paul before Felix at Caesarea. Acts 24, verse 1. And after five days, the high priest Ananias came down with some elders and a spokesman, one Tertullus. They laid before the governor their case against Paul. And when he had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, Since through you we enjoy much peace, and since by your foresight, most excellent Felix, reforms are being made for this nation, in every way and everywhere we accept this with all gratitude. But to detain you no further, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly. For we have found this man a plague, one who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world, and is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, but we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to find out from him about everything of which we accuse him. The Jews also joined in the charge, affirming that all these things were so. And when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul replied, Knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. You can verify that it is not more than twelve days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem, and they did not find me disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogues or in the city. Neither can they prove to you what they now bring up against me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. Now after several years I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. While I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple, without any crowd or tumult. But some Jews from Asia, they ought to be here before you and to make an accusation, should they have anything against me. Or else let these men themselves say what wrongdoing they found when I stood before the council. Other than this one thing that I cried out while standing among them, it is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you this day. But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off, saying, When Lysias the tribune comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody but have some liberty, and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. After some days Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, Go away for the present. When I get an opportunity I will summon you. At the same time he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Vestus, and desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. 
And this is the end of our reading from the New Testament portion from the book of Acts. Now let's make some summary observations. Paul's return to Jerusalem was full of high hopes and goodwill. Yet, as we have seen, he was targeted by the religious leaders who falsely accused Paul, a card-holding Pharisee turned Christian, of being anti-Semitic, an opponent of the Jewish people, Jewish heritage, traditions, laws, and one who defiled their temple by bringing a Gentile into the part of the temple where Gentiles were forbidden. Of course, that never happened. The religious leaders slandered Paul as a troublemaker, responsible for riots in Jerusalem, and the ringleader of a religious sect that threatened the stability of the Roman Empire. The Roman authorities discerned that these charges lacked substance, and that Paul, as a Roman citizen, needed a fair hearing. The Roman commander arranged for Paul to be rescued from Jerusalem and brought sixty miles northwest to Caesarea. The Roman procurator, Felix, held Paul in custody and invited the Jewish leaders, including the high priest Ananias, to come from Jerusalem to present their case against him. They bring their smooth-talking lawyer, Tertullus. Paul, being tried before the high priest and Roman procurator, is hauntingly familiar to the scene when Jesus stood before the same officers not too many years earlier. Paul answers each charge. Number one, the charge that he was a troublemaker stirring up the crowd was unsubstantiated. Number two, he is faithful to the sacred scriptures, the law and the prophets. His trust in Jesus as the Christ is consistent with the promise and hope given by God to Israel. Jesus' identity as the Messiah is substantiated by the resurrection, and belief in the resurrection is consistent with the belief of the Pharisees. Number three, Paul declares that he was innocent of any charge that he defiled the temple. He was ceremonially clean, and he went alone, with no crowd, therefore no Gentile with him. The motivations of sinful men are highlighted by the behavior of these unregenerate Jewish leaders and the Roman procurator. The religious leaders are impervious to reason. Don't confuse me with the facts. I've already made up my mind. Felix wants to please the crowd, be entertained by Paul, and also hopes that Paul will offer him a bribe to be released. In Acts 24, verse 26, Paul is left in prison for two years, although he is permitted to receive guests. We have no doubt that Paul was faithful to share the gospel with his captors. Now let's move on to our next stop on our Bible tour, the Bible songbook, the book of Psalms, Psalm 4, verses 1 through 8. And reading Psalm 4 will be Joe Rosato. Psalm 4, verse 1. Answer me when I call. O God of my righteousness, you have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, Who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. 
Thank you, Joe. In Psalm 4, we have our second prayer in the book of Psalms. It's another cry for help. The psalmist receives counsel from the Lord. The Lord has set apart His people from the crowd that prefers delusions and false gods, in verse 2. When we are stressed, it is important that in your anger do not sin. We find this counsel repeated in the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 26. Rather than reacting, learn to respond to God. Learn to take His counsel to heart and give yourself to reflection, silent meditation, worship, and a deeper trust in who He is, in verses 4 and 5. Does your heart know greater joy than that which material prosperity and temporal circumstances can give? Is the Lord the source of your security? In verses 7 and 8, these are important questions to ponder. For our next stop on today's Bible tour, we go to the Bible's treasure chest of wisdom, the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, verses 16 through 18. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before the great. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. The lot puts an end to quarrels and decides between powerful contenders. There are three important proverbs here. First, faithfully steward your God-given gifts and opportunities to use them will present themselves. Number two, do not make quick surface judgments, but gather enough facts before making decisions or evaluations. Cross-examination is necessary for a fair trial. Number three, make every effort to come to agreement and put it in writing. Often a budget or written purpose statement can help hold strong impulses and opinions in check. An outside arbiter helps to ensure that subjective feelings don't get in the way of making decisions. Let's pray together with the insights we've received from God's Word. Lord, it is important to realize our genealogy. For what is born of the flesh is flesh, but what is born of the Spirit is spirit. In Adam all die, but in Christ all live. We are grateful that you put us in Christ when we believed. You have qualified us to receive an inheritance. We traced our ancestry now to the empty grave where you gave us victory over sin's curse. Thanks be to you who always causes us to triumph. We thank you that now we have a testimony to share with others. Give us the boldness to speak the truth about Jesus Christ to those around us. Help us to tell of the great things you have done for us in Him. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for joining with us today. We know that it's sometimes challenging to push through those genealogies, but it reminds us that the biblical account is not a manufactured stories, but these are accounts that are anchored in history with real people. God has provided in Christ a real solution to real problems, and through the gospel we have real hope. In Christ we see the ideal made real, and by His grace and through faith in His person and work, we can apprehend it. We can thank God that our salvation is real. This concludes today's excursion on our Bible tour, and we look forward to being with you tomorrow. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can write us at podcast at newlife.org. These podcasts are released daily. Do let us know if you have trouble apprehending them. They are available at most platforms where you get your podcasts. Also, you are welcome to take advantage of a written copy with illustrations and maps of our daily commentary by subscribing at our website, newlife.org. So until next time, keep standing strong in the grace of God. Shalom.